This has happened a little later in uh, Jacob's life. Uh, he's tricked Isaac out of the blessing, or from, from the blessing of Esau. He has received it, and he's used deceit to accomplish that. Then he's fleeing, and he's on his way. Uh, Jacob and Rebecca, or excuse me, Isaac and Rebecca send him away to find a wife with Laban, with a family. So we here begin in verse 10. Here now God's inspired and infallible word. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. They came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Let's now ask the Lord's blessing on His Word as we consider it this morning. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Your Word is truth, and Your Word reveals to us the wonder of Your grace and the relationship that You have secured for us in the grace accomplished in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would use your word by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning to minister grace to our souls, that we as well may grow and flourish as your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, we consider God's word this morning, and Mariette, it's, it's a blessing to consider God's Word with the sacrament of baptism that was administered to Nora. Baptism is a picture of what the Bible teaches us 
about the relationship that believers and their children have with God. It's a reminder that God is the one who graciously comes to us, graciously establishes a relationship with us, and promises to save us from our sins through Jesus Christ. We've sung of that grace and that mercy that we we have from our God in number 183. I will trust you. And in your goodness, you will lead me home. Precious words to remember and to reflect on this morning. God's grace will lead us home. We're going to hear more this afternoon about the covenant relationship that God has established with with mankind. And so I'd encourage you to come back this afternoon to, to reflect on that because that's the structure behind a lot of teaching in God's Word. And our text is overflowing with the revelation of of who our God is as a covenant God and and how He relates to His people and how He relates to sinners, that that even His people struggle with sin as Jacob did, and now He's caused to flee. But notice in our text, first of all, that what's so significant in this covenant is, is not the relationship we have with God, but more the relationship that God has with us, that that He is a God who identifies Himself to us. That's part of His relationship. Notice verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it. This is the focus of of this passage. And He said, I am the Lord. And you hear again in this that that beautiful reality that, that there is no God beside Him. And there's the promise of land that unfolds that just as God had been with Abraham and with Isaac, that that. Jacob, too, is going to receive the land as as an extension of God's character and as a display of His grace. And then there's the promise of the offspring. And, And if you've listened to Scripture up to this point, if you've been reading through Genesis, you'll realize that that these are the very same promises that God had made with Abraham. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. God said to Abraham, your offspring will be like the sand on the sea or it will be like the stars in the sky, and you shall spread abroad. But he also says this, in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Why is that? Is it because of Jacob? God's Word is teaching us. No, it's because God says, I am the Lord. Because of God's character. This is the thread of redemption that, that as well we've sung about. Let children hear the mighty deeds because these aren't just deeds of a powerful God. They're, they're deeds of a covenant God who, who intervenes in the life of His people to save them, to protect them, to preserve them. This is that thread of redemption that is woven through Scripture history. And the author writes this account of, of Jacob's ladder in such a way that we see again We see once more and we we learn about God's unmerited favor, His grace, by which He saves and secures His people. And that comes through in the promise that God gives to Jacob. Even as he's leaving the promised land, I will be with you. I'll be with you. We're going to consider that. First of all, His gracious presence. Secondly, His gracious purpose. 
And thirdly, Jacob's recognition. First of all, his gracious presence. Mariette and Ed, in March, you leave the Hawks Bay, a bit of a holiday in New Zealand, and then off to the Netherlands. You have a home there, family to go back to. We'll miss you. We'll miss your children. We'll miss your family. But we're parting on good terms. And that's a joyous thing. But Jacob, he wasn't leaving on good terms. He wasn't taking the same sort of a departure from the promised land. He was running from his family. In chapter 27, verse 41, we, we hear about the hostility that had arisen in the household of Isaac after Jacob had tricked Isaac into giving him the blessing, Esau seethed with hatred. Verse 41, now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. What he's saying there is my, my dad's an old man and he's going to die soon and we'll mourn for him. Then, after that mourning, I will kill my brother Jacob. As soon as Isaac dies, Esau can't wait to get even. And so Jacob's leaving the country. But truth be told, Jacob wasn't the best brother to have around. He deceived his own father. He tricked Esau. And now he's sent away by Isaac and Rebekah to find a wife, and he departs. There's a particular point about his departure. We don't hear anyone with him. He departs alone. He departs impoverished. Isaac at this time would have been a wealthy man. Abraham was a wealthy man. Isaac would have been, had more wealth because of Abraham's blessing and, and also because of Isaac's blessing. We know that. Jacob could have had it because he was the son who had re received the blessing. But we know when he comes to Laban, he, he doesn't have anything to offer except his hard work to secure the marriage with Rachel. So he's impoverished. He departs alone. He's all by himself, impoverished and dishonored. He wouldn't receive the award for most favored son. Though he'd received the blessing, he'd done it in a horrible way. He disgraced himself. He disgraced his father. He disgraced his God. And he's going. But God comes to him on his way out in a place where he is destitute and distant. And God reveals to him the grace of his relationship. It's not who you are, Jacob, but who I am, 
I am the Lord. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. And I'm your God too. You're my covenant child. And the focus here is, is not on the ladder of the angels. This is not where Jacob climbs the stairway to heaven. No, it's the place where God comes to sinners. And God is at the top of that ladder. And the angels are coming with a message to reveal to Jacob. And, and that's what Jacob's focus is drawn to as he sees the angels going up and down. It's the place where God comes and says, I am the Lord. I am your God. He reveals His gracious presence. I'm with you. And I will keep you. Think about that for a moment, congregation. Jacob, as he's leaving the promised land, God comes to him in a special way. This scoundrel, this sinner, it's the special revelation of a God who goes with him out of the promised land. There are instances that had happened earlier. Abraham and Isaac questioned whether God would be with them when they left the promised land. They weren't sure. They weren't always sure of this. Their own faith wavered them. In a foreign country, is God going to protect them? And so, when remember when Abraham went down to Egypt, he lied about Sarah, his wife. Or even when he went to Gerar and, and the sin of the father was repeated by the son, Isaac had the same instance when he went to Gerar as well. He lied about his wife because he wasn't sure if God is the God of the promised land. Is he a God in a foreign country as well? They just weren't sure. So they thought they had to take matters into their own hands. But here's a man who's doing that constantly and he comes as this scoundrel, empty-handed, broken-hearted, and God gives him this revelation. I go with you. Jacob gets it. He gets revealed to him the fact that while he's on the run because of his sin, to find a wife, God's presence is secure. This is the character of His grace and the gracious presence of our God. One of the pains of leaving, and this just isn't a pain of, of leaving. It's what we've experienced in the past couple of weeks. It's the pain of losing. Losing what we've had. Losing the comfortable living that we've secured. Losing our possessions. Losing our land. Losing our roads, losing our electricity, losing so much, losing our sense of security and safety that we have experienced in this land. One of the pains of this and, and of leaving as well is the displacement that we feel. Is the distance and the discouragement that can crop up. That's the beauty of the sacrament of baptism is it shows us again how good God is. And no matter how far you might be displaced, how God in His grace comes to you and says, but, but be assured that, that when you know Me as the Lord, when you, you trust Me, when you, you surrender everything and you recognize your brokenness and your inability to secure your own existence, 
I'm a God who's with you. And in Mariette, this is what we can say as you leave. God is with you. He's not just a God of Hastings or the God of New Zealand. He's the God of the universe. If you make your bed in Sheol or take the wings of a bird and go to the farthest reaches of the earth, God is there. The true God. The living God. The covenant God who says, I'm with you. Our congregation, if you are grieving, struggling, suffering, a bit despondent and despairing because of the, the loss that we've experienced, the sacrament reminds us that no matter how distant or lost we might feel, God won't lose you. God won't lose you. He won't let go. He won't abandon ship. And because He is faithful, because He is faithful, you won't lose God. And this is the privilege to teach your children the wonder of this gracious presence of God. Wherever they are, that this God is to be embraced by faith and to be trusted. Jacob, congregation, realize the blessing of God's gracious presence. I'm with you wherever you go. But that gracious presence is assured, secondly, when, when we also acknowledge His gracious purpose. We hear this in verse 15. That's the text of this morning's message. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. Now this land ultimately is the realization of all the promises that God has established. I'm with you. My promises can't be broken. But then he goes on, and that's the next statement that we're dealing with, with this gracious purpose. For I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. There's a gracious purpose here. I will not leave you till I have done what I have promised you. This is an amazing promise, isn't it? Jacob, the guy who, who seeks to, to secure his blessing by God's blessing by, by his own methods, is going to have to learn that. I will not leave you until I do what I have promised. What God says to him. This man who was so inclined to think that he could secure his well-being, his benefit, his blessing by his own work, by his own ability, with his own ingenuity, by his own craftiness and cleverness. 
that he needs to leave that way behind and surrender everything to God who's going to do what he says by his grace. And as we begin to read in this narrative, Jacob starts. He doesn't get there all the way, but he starts to do that. And it seems as though Jacob goes from the frying pan into the fire because he arrives at Laban's household. And he meets someone who's more crafty and more cunning than himself. He's going to be tricked by Laban. And he's going to be cheated by Laban. And you know what it's like when sin has a hold of your heart? You often give like for like, don't you? And Jacob tries some things, but, but in the end he recognizes, you know, it's actually, it's not what I've done. It's actually what the Lord has done. And even before he gets into this predicament, God says, I'm going to graciously accomplish my purpose for you. And that's the character that God is calling us to leave all. That's the character of what God is calling us as followers of Christ to recognize and to realize. So you've worked hard. So you've had a secure existence. So you've lived in a safe place. Do you realize that you are completely dependent on the grace of God for any accomplishment. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. That's the guarantee that God shows us in the waters of baptism. That when we turn to Him in repentance and faith, He will cleanse us completely from all our sins. And He's shown that again through the death of His Son. And I won't leave you until I have accomplished everything I've promised you. Isn't that phenomenal? I was struck by the form as we read through the prayer. You know, water. Water is an amazing reality. It does two things. It cleans, but it also destroys. Doesn't it? We're faced with that. God uses this element. What is it going to be for you? Is it going to be cleansing? Or is it going to be destruction? In the prayer of all places, God destroyed the world with the flood, and God destroyed Egypt in the Red Sea with water. Beware, water can be used by judgment. Now, God has promised through Noah not, never to judge the world with a flood again. The judgment will be different when Christ returns. But what are you relying on? What is God's gracious purpose for you? The difference is about how God will administer it. You see, God is to be trusted. Trusted, not trifled with. 
not to think, oh, what's the minimum I have to do to keep my relationship with God secure? No. Not to be trifled with. Not how can I manipulate life in order to secure the blessings that I want. This grace is a grace whose, whose grace is to be cherished, not cheapened, by trying to manipulate His plan and think I'm safe because of what I've done. He is a God to whom we must bow and say, not my will, but your will be done. And to trust His gracious purpose. Profound, isn't it? I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. To surrender everything. Say, Lord, use me. I'm yours. And this thirdly becomes Jacob's recognition. First of all, because what he didn't have earlier, he didn't have the fear of God. He was playing games with God because he was playing games with his father and with the blessing that he needed from God. And he awakes from his dream and says, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He'd locked God away in a box and he would deal with him on his own time and in his own terms. But he says, no, I can't get away from him. And he worships. He was afraid. He was fearful and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Brothers and sisters, when we hear the gospel, when we sit under the preaching of the word, that's where we are. We are at the gate of heaven. And God is saying to us, first of all, you have my gracious presence. But secondly, understand my gracious purpose. I will do what I promise. Trust me. Surrender. And he recognizes his unworthiness. There's a change. And I noted earlier, it's not complete. It will take another encounter with the Lord. It's interesting, as, as Jacob leaves the promised land, he has this encounter with the Lord. When he comes back, he wrestles with the Lord at Peniel. But he's going to go forward in faith, no matter how small it is, though it's just a mustard seed, the size of a mustard seed, yet God is working in his life with a hope that the Lord will do his work. And we hear this in verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, if God's going to do what he says, then that's my God. I'll trust him. I'll take him at his word. And that's the confession of faith. This is the guy that, who thought he had to cheat to get the blessings. And he realizes there's another way. It's the gift of grace. The grace of God's accompaniment causes this guy who wants to grab everything, not only to surrender, but also to start to give. It just comes at the tail end of the story, and all that you give me, I will give you a full tenth to you. You see, the tithe isn't some legalistic, mosaic, imposition that God wants to get 10% from us. No, 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 no. That's not grace. That's merit. 
But when you understand that grace is this glorious free gift that God is going to accomplish everything that he's promised, that actually your contribution is nil and his contribution is 100%, it opens your hands to give and say, well, if that's the case, let me restore a tent. That's the wonder we have this morning. Wherever you go, recognize God's promise of His presence and His purpose. Mariette, as you take the children, and Ed, I'd encourage you as well to accompany. Find a church that preaches the gospel, that proclaims to you and reassures you each week the wonder of this gracious God, of His gracious purpose, and of His gracious promise, so that when you come to the end and and you recognize, you'll see everything He's done, He's done according to His Word. So that whatever you have or whatever you lose or whatever you leave behind, you can go forward by faith, clinging, clinging to this one God. And in His gracious dealing with His people, He is to be treasured more than all. And that's a reason worship you know where I grew up where I grew up there were churches that identified themselves not by name like we have the Reformed Church of Hastings so we're known as the Reformed Church of Hastings they would they would adopt names and they would identify themselves with something other and it was quite common to have the name Bethel so but then you get other churches. So, so there's Bethel Reformed Church and there's Bethel Christian Reformed Church and there's Bethel United Reformed Church. But they all use the name Bethel. Why? Why? Because in worship, this is the gateway to heaven. God's here. And He's proclaiming His promise and His purpose. So that when we go out from this place, we go into the world like Jacob went out to live amongst Laban and to witness the fact that our security, our hope, our blessing, our safety, our privilege is the God whom we worship. That's the wonder of God's accompaniment. Signed and sealed in the sacrament of baptism. Because when Jesus came to this earth, He said, you're going to see in Him and in His work in Jesus, the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I am the fullness, Jesus says, of everything that God has promised. Trust me. Serve me. Follow me. Amen. Let's pray.